Hi, I'm Damon Fairless, host of Hunting Warhead from CBC Podcasts and the Norwegian newspaper VG. Hunting Warhead follows a global team of police and journalists as they attempt to dismantle a massive network of predators on the dark web. Winner of the grand prize for best investigative reporting at the New York festivals and recommended by The Guardian, Vulture, and The Globe and Mail, you can find Hunting Warhead on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. As Israel's ground offensive continues to expand into Gaza, another 50 people were killed overnight, according to the Gaza Health Authority. For years, my next guests have been working together on a shared project to help bring Jewish and Palestinian communities together. They launched their new book, The Wall Between, What Palestinians and Jews Don't Want to Know About Each Other, on October 1st. It was a public event at an art gallery in Toronto with music and poetry and a diverse crowd. And when they originally planned their tour, they imagined there would be challenging conversations. What they could not have predicted was the Hamas attacks of October 7th, Israel's subsequent assault on Gaza, and the fallout here in Canada. But amid all that, Reja Khoury and Jeffrey Wilkinson have continued their tour and their work. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Nalo. You have been sharing your book at public events over the course of the fall. Jeff, let me start with you. What moment has stood out for you during these events that speaks to what people have been going through? Sure. Well, um, I guess I'll point to, you know, to two events that both happened shortly after October 7th. Um, we were in a university in uh, the U.S. and in the front row were a group of Palestinian students who really were really dealing and quite frustrated by our statement that we opposed all violence against civilians. And they saw that as a comparison uh, to the violence of the oppressed and the oppressor. And they really, really struggled with it. Um, immediately after the event, well, probably six or seven of them and Raj and I sat in a circle and just talked. And then later actually went to someone's house and talked for another couple of hours and really created a bond where they could feel that even though we were pushing their natural feelings, and they, of course, were feeling very threatened on campus, they were being doxxed, they were really, you know, having a lot of difficulty, that you could actually hear, even at your time of greatest trauma, you could hear that somebody else was also suffering. Yeah. Um, and we had a similar event uh, two or three weeks later, we were... Um, Excuse me, speaking to a large group and a Jewish person with Israeli roots uh, spoke of people that she had lost. And we were able to just, you know, reach out to her and empathize. And she came up to us and Rob and her had a hug. You know, it, these are the magic moments where people step outside of their tribe and their trauma, you know, and reach across that barrier to care and listen to another story. Raja, what has stood out for you in terms of moments during these events? Well, the absolute sort of radicalization of both sides. I mean, we've got one side screaming at the other terror supporters, and the other side is screaming back at them, genocide supporters. And, you know, what we saw after October 7 is that, uh, you know, people needed some kind of a you know validation of how they were feeling and they were turning to people around them for that 
but in a way that was asking people to take binary positions. You're either with us or with the enemy kind of position. And uh, I've never seen such polarization in Canada, in, in North America, that is caused by, you know, by a, a foreign issue yet with, uh, you know, amazingly strong local uh, reverberations. So, you know, I, I'm still trying to get over this kind of polarization and uh, the strong positions that people are taking. Okay. Let me take a step back and, and just ask you both how you started working together in the first place. Uh, Jeff, you want to go ahead? Oh, I was hoping you'd start. Um, <laughs> sure, sure, no problem. I mean, uh, the short, boring story is that I did my doctoral research on Jews and Palestinians in the diaspora, and I had them listen to each other, and Raja was one of my victims. Um, that's how we met. And I was so struck by his openness and warmth and ability to share his story and still listen to another story that after it was over, I went back to him and said, I think we need to do something, you know, and that something has been this book and this work. And Raja, maybe you can elaborate. Yeah, elaborate and also maybe talk about how it is that the two of you can find common ground when so many are, are unwilling. Well, you know, 16 years ago, I my curiosity drove me to want to know the other. And I had, you know, opportunity to start meeting with Jewish colleagues who were in the sort of human rights movement like me and and look for common ground and look to understand why they take the positions that they do. And, you know, sort of many years later, you know, I, I really wanted to share much of what I learned by talking to Jews as a Palestinian uh, with others who had not had the opportunity and to try and, and show people that, you know, you can find common ground, uh, that, you know, it, it's not uh, black and white, it's not they're evil and we're good, which is what we've seen a lot of, lot of lately. So, so when Jeff came to me and said, you know, we need to do more, we need to keep looking for a you know better understanding and better ways for the two communities to relate to each other. Uh, that was very appealing to me. Uh, we decided that you know we should start with a, a you know a document that says what we feel and what we think, and uh, and that turned out to be you know that turned out to be the, uh, the book. And and as the title of your book says, it's about what Jews and Palestinians don't want to know about each other. Maybe each of you can can address, you know, what's at the heart of that resistance uh, of not wanting to know about each other? Raja and then Jeff? Well, you know, I, was, uh, um, I had a, a visitor at home uh, recently and she saw the book and she read the title and she said, huh, yeah, of course. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you know, when you get to know the other, then you start you start having to compromise. You need to compromise. And, uh, you know, the binary solutions or binary views, of black and white, are a lot easier to take than nuanced ones that, you know, that require deeper understanding 
And, you know, we have had narratives in, in both communities for, you know, for over 75 years that said one thing or the other about uh, each other. And people are comfortable in these narratives. But when you ask them to get to know the other, it means it requires going against the sort of the narrative that you, you live within. Yes. And it's, 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 it takes work and... It also subjects you to potential pushback from your own community. Yeah. Jeff? Um, well, I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, our book is really um, a trauma-informed work. So what we talk a lot about is how seeing or viewing the other's pain can feel dangerous because it feels like we're putting our own safety at risk. I think this is really especially true in the diasporas of Jews and Palestinians. Certainly for my community, for the Jewish community, there is generally, you know, amongst the vast majority of people I speak with, a sympathy and an empathy for Palestinians, a concern for their pain, to the limit of me having to give up something to relieve them of that pain. So what I think is really, really, really hard for Jews is they can have a surface understanding of the Nakba, a surface understanding of, you know, certainly of recent events that, you know, there's terrible human tragedy because of the bombing in Gaza. And at the same time, that bombing is linked to Jewish safety, is linked to the relief of 2,000 years of pain, to release and relief of the Holocaust, and perhaps most importantly, a barrier to future pain. So the consequence of truly grasping that Zionism, for example, what it gave to me, it took from Raja, requires some action, requires a shift in your thinking. And this is, this is very difficult and really contrary to how our brain works. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we really, I mean, this is not easy work that we do. And I think at its core, we're saying that a, you have to listen and learn from the other. And B, once you learn something, you have to do something. Yeah. Just learning and listening is not enough. This is a perfect storm of conspiracy theories. On December 15th, 2017, Canadian billionaires Honey and Barry Sherman were found dead in their mansion. To this day, the case remains unsolved. Counterfeit and uh, copied pharmaceuticals was much more lucrative than heroin, cocaine and the rest of it. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Listen to the no good, terribly kind, wonderful lives and tragic deaths of Barry and Honey Sherman, wherever you get your podcasts. One, I think you would both agree that one of the features of, of the conversation over the decades is a dehumanization of the mm. other community. I wonder if you could um, maybe Raja begin to begin with speak to how you've seen that, that conversation change, the public discourse change on this now after October 7th, what worries you most about how that's changed? Well, you know, it, it, we saw how our society here reacted uh, to the October 7th events with horror and um, and then the you know the loss of human life on October seven was of course you know horrible and and mostly of them were civilians, but then we had every day since then 
you know, hundreds of uh, Palestinian civilians being killed every day. And we did not see the same kind of horror at, at these deaths until much, much later that eventually our government said, um, you know, there should be a ceasefire. So the from a Palestinian community perspective, the humanity of Palestinians did not seem to have the same weight as the humanity of the you know uh, Israelis and uh, and that really was and remains a, a very sore sore issue. I mean, to call for a ceasefire for a Palestinian, it's about no more deaths of you know babies and innocent people. Uh, but on the other side, that call for ceasefires means that, you know, we you don't care about the hostages. You, you, you don't think Israel should have the right to defend itself. And then some people take it as far as to say, you know, that's anti-Semitic. Uh, so <laughs> you've got this kind of, uh, all of these, you know, issues working at the same time. Yeah. And it continues. Jeff, could you speak to that point? Just what worries you most about how the public discourse on this is going as we speak? Sure. Well, I think we often have said since October 7th that we are sad that our book was so prophetic. So I think the things that you have seen since October 7th are the things that we lay out as, you know, the underlying problems here in the diaspora. So what, what I have seen that worries me by far the most, I mean, there are many things that worry me, but at its core is how quick it was for not just Jews, but for a mainstream society to hear the horrors of October 7th and turn a deaf ear to the horrors that we all knew were coming. And as they came, our natural defense, certainly in the U.S. and to a smaller degree, but you know, certainly also in Canada, there was this, you know, sort of militant reaction to good guys and bad guys that we must stop Hamas because they represent some other dark force that is not like us. And that deep xenophobia that is wrapped in our society, particularly about Palestinians who are viewed as brown and Muslim and not like us by many and certainly by the body politic. We have really not advanced to the place where we look at a human and see them as equal, completely equal in value. The amount of sides that we have taken, where it's all, as Raja was saying earlier, it's all this or that. There is no room for gray. Yeah. There is no room for, you know, to see a pro-Palestinian protest as a protest only against death and destruction. To frame it as a you know, as itself a form of violence, you know, as if, you know, these protesters are celebrating October 7th. This demeans all of us, does not allow us to listen and share in each other's suffering. Let's let's take a moment and talk about those protests, Jeff. We've seen protests by Jewish groups who are um, protesting in support of Israel and by Palestinians and their supporters. What worries you about where these protests and divisions uh, are leading to here in Canada specifically? Sure. Um, I think they're tribalized. These protests do not uh, consider 
our Western, you know, Canadian shared values of decency, love, respect, and human life. They put all of those aside in order to make a point. You know, and that's really, really hard. And I, I think the other problem is, is that we're lumping all protests together. That the vast majority of pro-Palestinian protests I've seen, and even protests in favor of Israel, have been very peaceful, really about the subject matter. It is the way that they are then weaponized and perceived by groups that don't want us to talk to each other. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious if you could both address just how your own willingness to listen to the, quote, other side has affected your own standing within your communities. Raja? Well, you know what? I mean, I've been often asked, you know, why, why do you talk to Zionists? And, and my answer uh, is, who else am I going to talk to? Um, you know, in the end, uh, you know, talking to people who agree with you is not going to teach you anything. It's not going to take you anywhere. You stay in your own bubble. But, you know, if you talk to Zionists who, you know, who are basically, you know, have been the main adversary to Palestinians uh, for 75 years, uh, then there is hope, maybe, if you start understanding each other, that you start understanding why people take the positions that they take, that, that maybe can create some common ground for us to to a- arrive at a point where, at the very least, we don't hate each other, that at the very least we're curious about each other, we want to find a way to, you know, coexist with each other, and in the end, you know, the, the the land of historic Palestine needs to be shared by Jews and Palestinians, and it's taken 75 years for us to get to this point where we're still we, where we were in 1947-48. Yeah. Yes. And Jeff? Um, I mean, my community, like all communities, not it, you know, is certainly not a monolithic. Um, there is a segment of my community who views the work I do with Raja as a betrayal of my tribe. There's a segment of my community who sees speaking for Palestinian rights as denying Jewish rights. There's also a very vocal segment of my community that deeply appreciates the work that we do, celebrates it, supports it, brings us on talks, works with other Jews to you know open up channels of communication um, uh, reaches across to Palestinians and Muslims to have conversation. Um, but if you're asking Raj and I, is there a cost to our community for the work that we you know in our communities? Of course there is. And there's a skepticism about the work we do because there, the other is so othered that it is immediately seen as some kind of giving up something, you know, yeah. kind of like seeing if, you know, if I'm talking to Palestinians, then I'm not really loyal. And if uh, Raja's talking to Zionists, then he's kind of denying the horrible pain of his people. Yeah. Our stance is relatively straightforward and simple. You don't have to talk to the other. But please think about what hope or expectation you have of a different future if we never talk to each other. If you never talk to those who you disagree with, if you never expose them to a truth that they don't know, how are we ever going to change? Um, the key, 
excuse me, we always want uh, your listeners or anyone we talk to to understand is Raja and I are a Jew and a Palestinian. But first and foremost, we're humans who share values. And if you share central anchored values, sacred values, the things that are most important to you, you can you can overcome any difference. Thank you, Raja and, and Jeff, for talking to us this morning. Really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Raja Khouri and Jeffrey Wilkinson are the authors of The Wall Between, What Palestinians and Jews Don't Want to Know About Each Other. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.